What's up, Video Landers? I am your host, Dr. Diamond Doug. Triple D. And with me tonight is my wicked awesome friend, Mr. Miggity Miggity Matt. That's me. Quick reminder, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook page for Adventures in Videoland. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. But that's not really our style, so we'll try to keep this, what do you say? PG-13. Sure. That's uh, that's, that's some mild profanity and, again, tasteful nudity. And you've already started, so excellent. (laughs) Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause the episode, watch the movie, and come back later. With that said, tonight we'll be talking about our Pantheon nomination, number 10, Good Will Hunting. Whoop, whoop, whoop! So this is a special guest nomination by Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac and myself, and trust us, it's, it's going to be, be a ripper. ripper. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon. Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac, what is Pantheon? Pantheon's a movie that, and we've said this before, it's essential viewing. If you rated it on a five-point scale with five being the top, it would be five or so close to five you could barely measure the difference. Yep. A Pantheon movie hits on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. Acting, directing, script, score, cinematography, special effects. It's... It is the best of its genre. It's, uh, and we've said, essential viewing. Essential viewing. And uh, l- like you said, best of its genre. If it's an example, if it's a type of film from a specific genre, like a karate movie or whatever, it's the best of its kind. That's right. Even uh, if it's a, even if it's a dramatic historical, yeah, you name comedy, it. you name it, then it's the best dramatic historical comedy you could ever see. So, uh, how does Pantheon work in terms of uh, council and voting? Just so, if right. anybody is just tuning in for the first time, yeah, for uh, for you Pantheon muggles, yep, uh, it is Pantheon is voted on. There's our nine pe- council members, and the nine council members all get one vote. It also has to go along with a 500 word write up of why they're voting yes or no to Pantheon. There's also typically a guest voter. That's us collectively. That's this, right. For this particular movie. But many times, the council member that nominates the movie selects a guest voter. That's one vote. And then on an Adventures in Video Land Facebook uh, page is a poll for the movie. And the, the, the win of the poll, whether it's yes, no, ends up being one vote as well. So total of 11 votes. 11 votes. How many votes out of 11 does it need to get Pantheon? 14. 14? Wait. wait. <laughs> nope. Math. Chicago math. Seven. <laughs> seven. Seven. Two-thirds majority. That right? is right. Yeah. That is correct. Okay. So uh, this is the 10th. That is ours. This We've looked is. at each of the nominations from our council members across this season so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's, let's run up and down the list right here. All right. Uh, and you tell me the movie, I'll tell you the vote. Okay. So at the beginning of the season, we start off with Dear Zachary. That was nominated by Jeremy. That was two out of 11, so no. No, yeah. Boogie Nights by Ryan. And I thought, yeah, this is going to make it. Very close. Six out of 11. No, just, just didn't it. make it. Yeah. Pink Floyd the Wall by Nathan. I thought, wow, that's that's a good chance. It's a bold move. Bold but move. Three out of eleven. It was. It just did not click with the council. It did not. Uh, Brad made a very a, bold a, move. A bold move. He nominated Miami Connection, which is the best of the best of the best worst bad movies <laughs> ever. And, and it just 
almost eked in, but it did so not. Close. It was six out of eleven. Six of eleven. Then the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou was nominated by Kyle. And while you and I yeah. didn't favor the movie specifically, the council loved, loved it, it by and large with nine out of eleven. That's right. Uh, Young Frankenstein, Matthew's nomination, nine out of eleven, it also made it. Made it into Pantheon. Will always be celebrated as a member of Pantheon. Uh, we had Cabaret. Rachel's nomination of Cabaret did not. Three out of eleven. That's right. Also known as uh, that's the Sound of Music slutty cousin. That is right. And I like her slutty cousin yeah. actually, but uh, uh, did not make it. Three of eleven. A Clockwork Orange, which by was cousin Wayne, and it was the third Kubrick nomination. Right. Other ones are in. Other ones are in. This one did not make it with 5 mm. out of 11. Yeah, and it didn't just make I mean, it. was close. A couple more votes in it had been in there, but, but you know the rules are the rules. And the last one we, that we talked about was Saving Private Ryan. That's Marshall's nomination. 10 out of 11. Yep. I mean, that's as close to perfect as you could probably get. Yep, yep. Uh, that was, and, it, and it just sailed right through. One dissenter vote, and the dissenter vote uh, was Kyle, and he, he didn't vote against it because he didn't like it. It just no. didn't quite... It, like he he said, it was four out of five stars for yeah. him. Yeah, that like it it just didn't eke up to that four and a half and above. So you know range. when Miami Connection was nominated, Brad made a comment and he was like, everybody said liked it, loved it, rockers, bo- motorcyclers, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, and on this one, everybody else was yes, but Kyle was like, loved it, acting, directing, yep, yeah, but no, yeah, just can't do it, can't do it. And I think yeah. another one of his quotes was. It should be in Pantheon, but not eleven of eleven in Pantheon, something like that. And that he would re- that that he was hoping it would get in, so he could rest easy that his vote wasn't did, was, the reason. Wasn't the reason. Yeah, if it had been six of eleven, he might have yeah. felt like a little bit of a yeah. heel. Yeah. But yeah. you know what, Kyle, rest easy. Yeah. You're good. It's in. All right. Uh, as as we begin, as we have often done with the Pantheon Companion, we start with a little bit of foreplay. Time for foreplay! A little bit of foreplay. And uh, my question for you is that just like in our uh, in our movie that we'll discuss this uh, momentarily mm. about uh, the protagonist of, of Will Hunting was mm-hmm. a, this kind of hidden genius. Yeah. Uh, do you yourself have any uh, hidden genius skills or qualities that other people might not know if they just saw you passing in the street or, or whatever that uh that do you have any any qualities like that so i've been told that i have this weird quality that while i'd be talking to you and focused on you i actually know what's going on around the room around me uh it's it, it's la you know people have laughed when they said that about me but and i don't know that it's right or wrong but i do feel like I kind of have an awareness around mm-hmm. me. And n- nothing, nothing magical. Just a, maybe it's because my attention is never on one thing at any point in time. Yeah, I've said it, like when I'm sitting with you, I, I I make it akin to the newer Sherlock Holmes movies of like he just notices all the details. Right. He's like drops handkerchief. Really? Like, did you know? Yeah. But and you're like, for you one say, you say like, to me like, did you notice that? I was like, no, I'm looking at you. you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> How about you? Do you um, have any hidden genius or hidden hidden skills or qualities that people just don't know about? Well, uh, so just like I would say that about you that you have an awareness, I know that you have said about me that I have an awareness of people that I, I kind of, uh, like you said at one time, I, I think that when I envision you, I envision these bubbles 
over people's heads where you can just read their thoughts. It came from stuff. a TV commercial yeah. where it was like everybody in the room had a bubble over the head. This one was like worried about their mortgage. This one was like, does she really like me? The girl he was sitting across from was like, I gotta pee. And I feel like when you walk into a room, you see everybody in the room, and I realize you don't actually see thought <laughs> bubbles over their heads, but it's like you just sense all of their feelings. Uh, yeah, and I, and I said, I don't see thought bubbles. No, but, uh, <laughs> but And I don't actually notice every yeah, little detail in yeah. the room, but I do tend to notice quite a few. How, how about this instead? Is the, have you uh, in your, both of us are teachers. Yeah. So have you in your course of teaching met a student that you were just wowed by, that you were just, you, you, you were like, that person has something special and you no. went out of your way to help them? I did. I did. And it actually was just last fall semester. And uh, I had a student who did not speak to people, did not relate to people. The course I was teaching is a team-based course. They were put on a team with one or two other people. And their teammate immediately came to me in the first week and said, gosh, really, I, I mean, nice enough kid, but I don't really want to be on a team with them. And uh, I encouraged that student to kind of stick it out and work with them. And as it turned out, this kid was an amazing programmer. Even before he learned how to write the code, he envisioned how the code should function. So then he just had to learn the skills to actually write the codes to make it function that way. But he grasped it from day one. Yeah. But you couldn't tell just from talking to him or looking at him. Uh, and what did you do with that kid? I actually told him to come and see me twice a week, that we would talk about what his current assignments are or talk about whatever. By the end of the semester, we weren't talking about his assignments anymore. We were talking about ways that he, he could interact with his team more efficiently. Sure, sure. And uh, he has since left the university. He's gone to another school. He graduated, going to master's program now. And um, he came to see me the week before he moved over to Missouri and told me that uh, he's going to go out of his way every few months and come back up to visit to just to sit down with me and talk again. Like we established yeah. a solid relationship in this nice communication. Actually, I guess a little bit like Sean and Will's relationship yeah. with Google Hunting we'll talk about. But in that, I, I wasn't his advisor or counselor. I was just kind of a sounding board and like a touchstone to sort of... Uh, recenter him, and then he could move forward. It was cool. It was a good. It was a good experience for me, yeah. and I really know that it pulled him out of his shell. For me, that like, and I've taught a lot of speech classes mm -hmm. and presentation classes, and uh, one of them was a science communication class where none of the students really wanted to be in there because they're all like, "Why do I have to learn how to talk to people? I just want to know about the science." Yeah, just doing research. And I had one student who was like, "I'm horrible at speaking. I'm not good at like communicating, whatever." And got up there and actually was just excellent. At was he it. riveting? Yeah, like, kept like, your attention. Yeah, I mean, he, he had issues that. Sure. But then, uh, but I, I pulled him aside and I was like, "Hey, listen, I know you said this, but it's not true. You really have a gift for this. There's things that you can do to make it even better. Sure. And, and like, let's let's work on incorporating these skills." Did fantastic in the class, and then recently, just like a few months ago, sent a note back to me and said, "Hey, I'm graduating. I'm going on to grad school, and I'm doing this other cool stuff. But I just wanted to let you know that, um, of all the classes I took, that I feel like yours is the most important because I can now let everyone know the cool stuff I'm doing. That's awesome. And, and, and it was, like, that was a good moment. Yeah, it know? was really cool. It was a good it was moment. Really cool. Kids come into my my programming class, and the vast majority of them. The first thing that they'll say if you were to ask them, and I do, is that they have no experience in what we're learning. They're very nervous about it. They weren't sure about taking the class, and they don't know what they're doing. This kid expressed that times a thousand, mm -hmm. and yet when it came time to grasp it, he was he was 
surprised at his own ability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cool. All right. Well, th- this segues into our movie today, which is Goodwill Hunting. Yes. Uh, uh, I'll do a. I'll run down some movie facts right here. Okay. Uh, Goodwill Hunting, rated R. It's in the. It's a genre of. I already say drama or sure. drama comedy. Drama comedy. Dramedy. I guess mostly um, drama. Though. Directed by Gus Van Sant. Screenplay by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Uh, Produced. Like, yeah. Is that, is yeah. that a, he's a guy? I, I think he's done some stuff. Huh. Produced by uh, Lawrence Bender. Musical score by Danny Elfman. Uh, he's from mm-hmm. the. Sim- I think it's Simpsons guy, right? Yeah. So. Danny Elfman, there's a lot of backstory on Danny Elfman. If you haven't done it, and if we don't get around to talking about it tonight, go Wikipedia Danny Elfman and the band that he and his brother were in and all the things that they've done since. Yeah. And you will be shocked about this guy. Cinema, cinematography by uh, Jean-Yves Escoffier. Mm-hmm. Edited by Pietro Scalia in theaters uh, December 5, 1997 in the U.S. That was to get it in uh, for the Oscar, Oscar season. And then wide release in January. Uh, Runtime of two hours and six minutes with the studio uh, ended up with uh, Miramax, Miramax. That it yeah. started out with at Castle Rock who bought the script, but then it, it ended up... Over in Miramax. Miramax, I believe, is a Disney holding, right? That's one of the Disney sub sub things. Yeah. For a while, I believe that they made the edgier movies for the Disney yeah. studios. Uh, sure so give me a synopsis. Uh, we've All got right. a Metacritic synopsis here. Yeah, from Metacritic. Will Hunting, which is played by Matt Damon, is a brilliant mathematician, but also an angry young man. An uneducated, brilliant mathematician. Unformally educated. Yeah. Uh, but also an angry young man. To avoid jail time uh, for a fight. He, gets, he agrees to work with Sean, which is played by Robin Williams, a therapist who comes from the same tough Boston neighborhood. It That does not do service to the movie, but that is the general overall. That's the general line. gist of it. And, and I even added a few words. As far as the ratings are concerned, mm. IMDb has it at an 8.3 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Very close to what uh, Saving Private Ryan yeah, was very listed respectable. as. Metacritic has it at 70%, mm. uh, which... Uh, it is a it's little lower. deceiving yeah. because it is 23 positive reviews right, with right. one mixed and no negative reviews. That's yeah, weird. Rotten Tomato has it at 97% fresh. 94% of the audience uh, rated it as fresh or they liked it. And Google agrees. Google had it at 95% yeah. liked it. Same range. Well. Um, so uh, here's a couple of the professional reviews that are out there. All right. uh, we've been using Roger Ebert. Uh, for a bunch of these uh, uh, so far. Who doesn't like to use Roger Ebert? Yeah. So uh, so he had it at three out of four stars. Okay. Uh, Siskel had it, uh, I think he liked it higher, but um, he said the Will Hunting character is so much in the foreground that it's easy to miss a parallel relationship. Lambeau and McGuire also are old friends who have fought because of old angers and insecurities. In a sense, by bringing the troubled counselor and troublesome janitor together, the professor helps to heal them both. And then what I thought was very interesting, he says, the outcome of the movie is fairly predictable. So is the whole story, honestly. It's the individual moments, not the payoff, that make it so effective. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd agree with the assessment of saying, like, you know that this movie is going to end with Will doing something, like doing a thing, doing a thing uh, and finding healing. And healing. Uh, you knew it. But it's the moments in the movie are very special. And I would say if in the end Will, Will ends up just, you know, working in a concrete factory or, or a construction job and that's like the end of the movie, it would be a different 
yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so uh, run me through some of these Rotten Tomato reviews. Sure, sure. Dwayne uh, Birge from Hollywood Reporter, and I always say his name is Birge because I know him yeah. personally. Uh, the best thing about Goodwill Hunting is not in its well-crafted psychological symmetries, but in the just plain messiness of its humanity. It's rowdy, it's funny, it's heartbreaking, it rings of life. Jack Garner of the Rochester Chronicle says it's an engrossing emotional roller coaster with peaks and valleys of perceptive wit, unsettling anger, coarse humor, and touching affection. And John Hartle, yeah, from Film.com, this has not been a great year for language in movies, but people are going to be memorizing and reciting some of these lines for years to come. Prophetic, in fact. How do you like them apples? How do you like them apples? Yeah. That's right. So Metacritic has a few uh, that there's one from San Francisco Chronicle, Peter Stack. Mm. They list this as a hundred. That's their estimate. Intimate, heartfelt, and wickedly funny. It's a wicked. Mo- a wickedly funny. <laughs> it's a movie whose impact lingers. USA Today, Mike Clark has it at 88. Damon convincingly, convincingly matches Williams' recrimination for recrimination in this portrayal of mutual tough love, even with the latter giving what may be the best performance of his career. And the one mixed review that they had was from Time from Rick, Richard Schickel, who said... Uh, heart sinking we're obliged to endure much pseudo serious gabble as we head toward another painfully predictable triumph <laughs> of the human spirit oh there are so, there must be some better way of hu- hunting our and our oscars goodwill so yeah. it was a little it was sassy yes you know just just take a, a real flashback here to mike clark at usa today and his his saying that potentially williams gave what might be the best performance of of his career We'll talk in a little bit about why we nominated oh, this yeah. movie. Absolutely. But this touches directly on it and why we picked it. So from the hoi polloi of the Metacritic review, so the, the non-paid professional. Mm. Uh, so read to me Brady Smith right there. Brady Smith says, nine. Gives it a nine. Everything a drama should be. Well-written, charming characters, dialogue that ranges from impressingly authentic to strikingly smart. And a very satisfying ending all add up to one of the best films I've seen in a long time. So in the Hoi Polloi reviews, Mm -hmm. there was 442 positive ones, 26 mixed that were kind of like mid-range. And there was just six negative ones. So I I, picked one. I picked one of them. Uh, Most of them were very long diatribes by smart people who wanted to say smart things. Uh, And they were like, why are you getting these movies about smart people? And they're not smart. So I I wrote one from this uh, Peter Earl uh, who, who listed as a tool, uh, a two, and it, I, I'll read it for you. <laughs> he said two. Yeah, he said uh, his is what a bunch of pseudo intellectual claptrap. This is a movie written from the perspective of a college undergrad who thinks he's impossibly clever, but really is just a big dummy full of stupid ideas. The film positively groans under the weight of its pretensions. And might I just say, if you say something like that, you're pretentious. There are a few things worse than patently ignorant people showing off their intelligence, in quotes, quotes, such that it is 
This is the sort of film that does serve a purpose, however. If anyone likes it, you know right away that they really have no clue about what makes a good film. And they probably really enjoy congratulating themselves on how just how smart they are. Well, I would almost agree that Ben Affleck fits some of those things, but that's not this movie. And uh, I got the last one right there. Who is it by? Spangle! Here, cheers to Spangle. Slotcha Spangle. Spangle. He says, absolutely marvelous. Go ahead and finish that off for me. Absolutely marvelous. Matt Damon and his cast of friends, Robin Williams and every other actor, turned in outstanding performances. At many points, you're not entirely sure whether you're rooting for or against the kid seemingly determined to ruin his life. However, the movie had numerous good messages, such as pushing through your hardships to reach your potential. Fantastic directing and writing here. Not I'm sorry, just a feel-good kind of film. Yep. Thank you, Spangle. Spangle. Spangle! Spangle! Woo! All right. From our AV uh, Adventure in Video Land, our Video Land Facebook comments uh, that are written from uh, both on the poll as well as I did a shout-out call-out. Yeah, you and asked it was, them. It was mostly council members. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll uh, do a, a quick back and forth here. Sure. Be- Zach Brown says, here's one that I actually need to rewatch. It's been 20-ish since, uh, years since I've seen it. And while I remember liking and quoting it, I haven't had a desire to watch it again. So as a rare position, I'm undecided <gasps> at the moment. What? Zach Brown. Uh, but that's slightly more promising than my usual. No. Ooh, well, Zach. Right so off the pot right there. Uh, Giselle Butler says, remember the scene where the douchebag in the ponytail, I mean, by definition, that will be that. In yeah. the ponytail tries to impress the ladies. Yeah. My boy's, my boy's wicked, wicked smart. smart. And so is this film. It's a big yes from me. This film isn't just good. It's memorable and worth entry into the Pantheon. Marshall Wade says, uh, so you're reviewing the film you nominated? This won't be biased. Hashtag mention, mention Marshall. Marshall. Hey, yeah. Marshall, we just mentioned yeah, you. Yeah, we, we just mentioned you, Marshall. Here's the thing. Our vote does wait. This time it counts. Yeah, it normally does. it doesn't. We are so. <laughs> spoiler alert! It's going to be a yes. Okay, well from us. Yeah. All right, Kyle Brown. Uh, his his response was, "Well, questions to answer on the podcast." So he's given us three questions. Number one: Why didn't you nominate Shrek? We'll get to that as to why we okay. nominated this movie. Number two: Will Gary go out with me? Yes, he will. He's if, a he's a slut. If he's, if <laughs> yes, does he kiss on the first date? Yes, already he does. answered. Number three, was it wrong of me to suggest we watch this in high school choir when we had a sub and she was supposed to make us watch Remember the Titans for like the 50th time and she actually let us watch it? It the was not, is, it was not, not wrong, wrong. Not wrong at not all. Wrong, not uh, wrong. Brad McBoom. Yeah. Uh, Brad Hawkins says, what were some of the other movies you thought about nominating? I think Popeye is Pantheon. There I said it. What were some of the other movies we thought about now? So we talked about Stand By Me. We did. Uh, I watched it and I was like, it's a great movie and I had a lot of nostalgia, but it was like a four out of five for me. We, we did discuss uh, at least one of the Robin Williams movie, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. We did. And, but, and, but again, we were like, we weren't, uh, comedies are subjective and yeah. we weren't sure about it. And we also talked about um, uh, uh, the Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society. Yeah, we talked, and we talked about some other that one, not Robin that one, Dead Poets Society was a little more... Uh, a little too sappy, sentimental, and a little sad. 
Yeah, uh, and then uh, I had thrown out Green Mile. Green Mile was a great op- option there, yeah. Yeah, uh, yep. because you love Stephen King. I do very much. And we b- before the nomination of uh, of Saving Private Ryan, we discussed some Tom Hanks movies. Yeah, we did. Uh, although Tom Hanks is already in Pantheon with Toy Story, at least. That's right. Uh, but but even so, we talked with... But you know something, when it really came down to it, and when we finally kind of went through the list... Goodwill Hunting just kept floating back up to the top. It did. it did. And then when I watched it again with my wife, uh, and my uh, grandson was sitting there. And I watched it with my son sitting With your there, son? Who had never seen it before, because he's a youngin. The the magic was just that. Like They I, loved it as well. I never found a point in it where I was like, eh. Yeah, he got, my son came home from work at like 11.30, mm. and then uh, I started watching the movie, and then he was like, he was eating, and then he was like, can I watch this with you? I was like, sure. So we right. sat up for the next two hours, just, plus. Just for clarity, your son is how old? My son is 16. Right, and so he was just making 17. sure that. 17. Yeah, I was going to say. Wait, wait, when, hold on. Yeah, no, carry the, the one. math. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's he's an older teenager, yeah, yeah. but he was making sure it was cool for him to watch it because we watched some other stuff that you might be like, yeah. yeah so anyway, yeah. it's a good he's a good young man. So anyway, he was just making sure it was cool for him to watch. It. Nathan Planinga says, honestly, I want to nominate Willy Wonka next year just so that Doug and Gary get to open an envelope on the podcast with a piece of paper inside that says, "You get nothing. You get nothing. Good day, sir. You lose. Good day, sir." <laughs> And, and Ryan Smith yeah. said, I want to nominate Boogie Nights again so that I can show them my wiener. Yeah. And uh, Ryan, you don't have to nominate that movie to nope. show us your wiener. Nope. Nope. We'd be fine. We're that, game. That's all right. We yeah, are and, game. You know, while I'm actually into uh, body parts on the ladies as personal preference, I have no problem with you just showing your wiener. From what I've heard from Brad... Oh. And Brad talks about Ryan's wiener, wiener. All, the time. all the time. It's amazing. Almost as much as his own. Yeah. It, 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 he says it's amazing. So there you have it. All right. Let's talk receipts. How did right. Goodwill Hunting do? Goodwill Hunting in 1997 had a box office domestic gross that's uh, U.S. $138 million, mm. Foreign, $87 million. So, right. But we're just going to use the $138 million for domestic gross. for. Uh, and what did it cost to make? $10 million. So it made $128 million. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. With our uh, trademark uh, copyright butts in, trademark. butts in seat index, with an average ticket price in 1997 of $4.59, Highly it has a, B, a BSI of $30 million. 30 million people sat their butt in the seat in a U.S. theater and watched this movie. That's right. So for some comparisons, and by the way, I did comparisons for mm-hmm. uh, Robin Williams, right. for Matt Damon, mm-hmm. for Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. and then Stellan Skarsgård. From, yeah, from one of his movies. So right? those are all... Uh, yeah. Stellan Skarsgård is the math professor... Yeah, in the character in the movie. So, right. Dead Poet Society. Go ahead and run us down that one. All right. Dead Poet Society came out in 1989, so almost uh, 10 years, 8 years anyway, before this movie. Domestic gross was $96 million. Average ticket price, $3.97. BSI, Butts and Seats Index, $24 million fewer. Fewer people saw this one. S- Six million people fewer. Yeah. So twenty-four million people saw it. Right. So, but it, but it's in the range. In the same range. It's the in Born the Born Identity, two thousand two. Big Matt Damon. Domestic gross. His, yeah, one of his big uh, breakouts for action. Domestic gross, a hundred twenty-two million. 
Uh, average ticket price of five dollars and eighty-one cents. So twenty million people, fewer people yeah. saw so that. So the Born Identity had twenty million. Goodwill Hunting had thirty million. That's right. Uh, the Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. The well, Bat and Fleck let me just pause. Movie. Dawn of Justice: Batman oh. versus Superman. You'd yeah. expect that one to be huge, Good. right? Oh, Batfleck, yeah. Domestic gross three hundred and thirty million, yeah. which is a lot, but because it was produced more recently, mm. the ticket price is much more. Yeah, Average ticket price eight sixty five had a BSI of thirty eight million. That's just eight million more. Yeah. Than. That's right. Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. The Avengers 2012 Stellan Skarsgård domestic gross 623 million, average ticket price $7.96, BSI 78 million. Se- 78 million people saw The Avengers 2012 in the theater. I, so I know that it's not a Stellan Skarsgård film. No, but he's in it. But he's in it. Yeah, like he's not the comparison. main guy in it. Comparison. But I just thought for for a fun comparison, we'd have the sure. Avengers and Batman versus Superman in there. Yeah, no, uh, no, uh, no shade of like DC versus Marvel. No, no, nothing like that. Just, just, to, just compare to compare it to Goodwill Hunting. That DC did worse. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to everybody. So uh, as so, let's talk uh, now about our take on the film, and talk about uh, first we'll talk about uniqueness, then we'll do a deep dig, and then we'll do a breakdown. Okay. Yeah. So first, the uniqueness of this particular film, Goodwill Hunting. How would you say that this is a unique nomination for for Pantheon? So I think in one aspect, it's the it's the characters and the character development, how how real they are. I'm not saying there's no other movies in Pantheon that have real characters, but this specific style of real characters yep. that are these uh, these Boston, you know, they're Southies, most of them. Also the Harvard and the the the, the kind of high lofty characters um i think that they are authentic and uh i was even reading today someone who's from boston who's a southie who was saying you know me and my friends watch this in the theater sometimes they you know he, he and friends would watch it a second time even yeah. and that they would marvel at how realistic these characters really are even the even the the actors who were not from that area that's one the second one is in the cinematography, which we talked about in our in our nomination uh, uh, document, in our in our, our in our text, yeah, our letter, our letter. Uh, but the cinematography for this one, I think, is unique in that the choices that the that the director and cinematographer made on doing uh, kaleidoscope shots, uh, shots that were uh, laid out with certain color palettes, those things drew me in emotionally they in elevate the movie they do they elevate the movie they start telling parts of the story with no words and they they pull you into it and i think those two things together really make the movie feel like you're just watching uh things happening to a to a, a group of people as opposed to people portraying something that happened yeah and so i would put this uh while we're while we're talking right now sure. i was just thinking like i would put this kind of in the same vain as boogie nights where it's kind of this 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 moment in time film where we're looking at a group of people in an area doing a thing that's representative of the people in that movie in that time frame in that time frame right yeah 50 years from now people who even from southie from boston or that whole area they're going to recognize that yeah that's how people spoke and acted in that in that time period 
Yeah. Um, so, and I think that this uh, that this also has a uniqueness, like you were saying, in that it is a very rich character drama that is language driven, yep. that it's dialogue driven, yep. um, that that it's it doesn't rest on, like while it uses cinematography to balance the the film, that it is very much uh, a dialogue driven film. Right. So, you know, Damon and Affleck won an Oscar. Uh, We'll talk about that, some of the awards they got. They won an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. But I would argue that the screenplay itself, shot differently, directed differently, would never have won the awards. Mm -hmm. That it was the combination of the dialogue, the way they put it together, and the way that it was envisioned, like brought to reality... Those two things together are what make this movie what it is. Yep. It sets it apart from most of what I'm looking through in, in Pantheon because of it almost puts it in a different kind of a category. Yep. So that's where I see it as unique. Yeah. Um, so as, let's do a little deep dig on this. Uh, and this kind of harkens back to uh, a quote that uh, Brad had posted mm-hmm. on the Facebook page of saying... Robin Williams, uh, and this kind of taps into some of the things that we were chatting about right. before we got here. Right. Is that, and we'll get to this, but one of the big reasons that we were looking at this film is that we we love Robin Williams. We do very and much. We, and we were thinking, what is a Robin Williams vehicle that could get Robin Williams into Pantheon? Into Pantheon. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so in looking at all of these things, you know... Uh, you know, he, it feels like Robin Williams is pantheon worthy, but what movie, right? What movie works? I was surprised. Uh, I, sh- I guess I should have realized this, but you go back and look, go through IMDb, look at his last, let's say, 15 years worth of work and pick something on there that you're like, oh yeah, like find something in the last five years. Yeah. Find something in the last 10 years that you're like, oh yeah, that one. They're not there. Now I realize he died a few years ago. I get it. But my point is, in his last almost 10, 12 years worth of work, there wasn't that much there. He was obviously dealing with his own demons, uh, but he also wasn't producing, you know, this. But crazy even stuff. at that, like, he is a singularly impressive talent. But if you look through the, the movies themselves, uh, like Brad said, I think uh, Popeye is Popeye. Pantheon. Yeah, right. But, like we didn't say Popeye, but like there was other ones like Dead Poet Society. Right, right. Um, we kind of figured that Good Will Hunting had a better chance of it. You know, um, I, I thought of Awakenings. I love that movie. Awakenings. I've seen it ten times. Even Aladdin. Aladdin. Like he, right. Like he, he is iconic in that. I tell you this little story about Aladdin. Took my kids to see Aladdin, and you know uh, that was pre-internet, really. Yeah. I didn't realize Robin Williams was playing the character of Genie until the first words out of his mouth. And I fell in love with the movie. Watching this Disney movie with my children, I fell in love with the movie immediately. And he drove that movie forward. I mean, it's Disney. The story was going to go forward anyway. And the animation is amazing and so on and so forth. But he drove the story forward. So the the question, like, and, and uh, Brad referred to this as the Bruce Lee problem, because right. Bruce Lee is iconic. Yeah, then find one of his movies that's pantheon. And Enter the Dragon would have been it. Mm-hmm. Like, if it, it was one, if it was, and I, I don't think that it made it into. Like, I honestly, if if I thought about a movie, a Bruce Lee movie that might make it in pantheon, it might be the Bruce Lee story, which Bruce Lee's not in. Yeah, it's played by. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. Are there any other uh, actors that you that that kind of fall into this camp of like they they themselves are iconic 
and potentially pantheon level actors. Right. But there's no other movies. But in the, pantheon the yeah, right. So I, I took I, I took that question to myself and I thought, yeah, what is there? And three names popped into my head right away. These are big names, big actors. They're not in pantheon, uh, and that was Robert De Niro, Anthony Hopkins, and Al Pacino. Anybody could take one of those names and be like, I could think of three movies that I love from them. Was the movie Pantheon worthy? Yeah. Well, and, and how about this? Chris Farley. Right. He's amazing. amazing. However, amazing. However. Is Tommy Boy going to be in Pantheon? <laughs> yeah, because that's the best chance to get Chris Farley in. <laughs> because, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I meant Black Sheep. Wait, Tommy yeah, Boy? Oh, Black Sheep? Wait a second. Which one was it? Yeah, anyway, you Be- know what I'm saying. Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. No, and I love Tommy. I, I love Tommy Boy. I now, love I love Chris Farley, but yeah, like how are we gonna how's he now, getting the band? Of your list, Robert De Niro, Anthony Hopkins, and Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Like somebody should get something in there. Anthony Hopkins, they tried to get Silence of the Lambs yeah, in, Silence but of the it Lambs. did not make it. It didn't make it, but there's some specific reasons there, and I can think of probably uh, a handful of them. But while Anthony Hopkins' character is iconic, while his performance was amazing, was the movie Pantheon worthy. Yeah, and this and I had mentioned that similar, and I don't know where I had said this, but a lot like A Clockwork Orange, Malcolm McDowell, right, was like he was spot on. Like you, you could not point to anything that Malcolm McDowell did in A, a Clockwork Orange and say, nope, that no, nope, that, that kicks w- him out. Nope, but the movie itself, but the movie itself d- just, just didn't, didn't make it. it. Yeah. 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 Just didn't hit it. So I'm sure you know our listeners can probably think of an actor that's like, I'm, I don't know if that actor has a movie in Pantheon. And you could look through the thing. Go to the adventuresinvideoland.com webpage, click on Pantheon. You'll see uh, little thumbnails of the movie posters for all the movies that are in Pantheon. Yeah. And at the bottom, you see the list of movies that were nominated, didn't make it. And I think if you just tried, you're going to find an actor that you like that's just not there yet. But you'll find a director or an actor or or a character yep. that's in multiple movies that yeah. are in Pantheon. So, so I, I looked through, uh, as part of the deep dig, I looked through a couple of uh, articles, sure. academic articles that yeah. had stuff. They, like, most, Re- like, research. They, they research things. That there, were, there was a couple of different points that uh, the articles that had made. One was, like, critiques of masculinity uh, uh, in the movie, critiques of... of the immigrant population, the Irish American immigrant experience, right, and then also uh, there was a there was at least one article that was talking about was the math problem all that hard? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as it turns out, for a math professional, nope. Yeah, but that's okay. It looked difficult to all of us. So, so yeah. one one of the quotes was, uh, "You've seen the movies," writes journalist Terry Jerry Thornton. Uh, on the Boston Irish, you know what we're you know that we're supposed to be a bunch of colorful working class rogues who love to hang out in bars, knocking back pints with our obnoxious buddies. And I could bitch about the stereotyping, but I won't. Everyone I know loved Goodwill Hunting because we all grew up with people exactly like the guys in the movie, even with respect to Matt Damon's math skills. I touched on that earlier. People who are from that area watched the movie and went, "Yep, that's yep. how we are." Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Another one was talking. This is this is about the Irish American experience and immigration. Je- Jeffrey uh, Herlihy Mira, uh, 2012, in revisioning migration, bunch of other stuff uh, on the stratification. Talking about so, Irish Boston, yeah. Nevertheless, it's clear that even the most talented individuals, if they are from Southie or another such demographic, are destined to be mired in mediocrity. 
At the same time, those with seemingly ordinary talents from landed classes, like Schuyler, Clark, and Lambeau, are able to succeed without restraint. The film itself underscores Howard Zinn's assertions. That was the the, the reference where he said, um, like, uh, in the bar, he was like, read, read Howard Zinn's uh, The People's America. Right. Um, his assertions that success in America are often predetermined and presents a narrative re-questioning the American myths of success through talent and labor. Yeah. So th- that, that, that was, uh, was kind of like highlighting the class struggle right. that, that, that exists in the movie. And in the movie, Will's character, Matt Damon's character... You know, had to decide and almost gave in to like the yeah, but this is my lifestyle. Yeah, even though I have the talents and skills, this is who I am. Yeah, which is why Ben Affleck's character then responded with, "One day I want to show up to your house in, and you're not there, and you're not there, or it could because in twenty years from now, if you're still at my house knocking back beers and working construction, I will kill, kill you. I, I will kill you. kill you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so another one that was compared so from Z Wedge. Uh, 2001, which was comparing uh, Goodwill Hunting to Holden Caulfield and Alex Portnoy um, about coming of age, says, In 25 or 30 years from now, the crackling human dynamics, the authentic dialogue, and the universal theme of Goodwill Hunting, that for mortals, exploiting the talents one has to the fullest and enjoying that experience, and having someone to share that experience, is probably the closest thing to happiness that mortals can obtain and will still make this a movie like the enduring novels of Salinger and Roth that will attract a lasting audience. And I think that's one of the things that really, that my son got out of the right. movie when he was watching it is the, yeah. you use what you got. You use what you got. You know, when your son's watching the movie, he's not thinking, oh yeah, here's a 22-year-old movie. Nope. Because it felt... It felt, felt real. just as real now yeah. they as weren't, it was in 97. They weren't using smartphones, no. which was a difference. No, they picked up phones with the little coily yeah. things yeah, on yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's do a little breakdown of the movie sure. right here. Uh, so let's chat about acting and casting. Okay. What do you think about acting and casting in this film? You know, uh, it's there's no secret, of course, that, that I think that uh, Robin yeah. Williams blew it out of the water. Yep. I really do. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck actually had starred in, not starred in, but had worked together and separately in many movies prior to this. But uh, I do believe that Matt Damon's character, Matt Damon uh, did very well with his character. Uh, uh, side note here, when the script was, was shopped around, the one main requirement, and I believe this is why it went from Castle Rock to Miramax, was that Damon and Affleck had to star as the best friends in the movie. Yeah, Castle Rock wanted uh, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, Leonardo to film DiCaprio, in it. Yeah, and and so it moved. And so it moved. That wasn't the only disagreement they had about the whole deal. But it yeah. was like, well, if that's a if that's an uh, you know if that's a requirement, we got then they're not going to do it. Anyway, Matt Damon, I think, did great. I believe uh, some of the main points that make you know his and Robin Williams, but his performance specifically top notch when he first meets. Rob Williams' character Sean in his office. He'd already he'd already he'd already wiped himself with and thrown away like a handful of psychiatrists psychologists at this point. He meets Rob Williams. He starts nitpicking all the little details in his office, sort of sort of diagnosing and analyzing yeah. uh, Sean uh, Rob Williams' character, and comes to this painting in a window, which 
he looks at the painting and starts talking about how the colors and the composition of the painting, because Robin Williams had painted it himself, all were just so horrible and talk about his life struggles and the all the swirls in there are yeah. reminiscent of somebody like Van Gogh who's got like horrors and yeah, yeah yeah and of course Robin Williams response was well it was a paint by numbers but hey thanks for the response thanks for the review yeah. by the way that was improv but uh <laughs> I'm just saying that that Damon's uh, ability to just deliver this character so fully uh was amazing was yep. amazing. Robin Williams' character, Robin Williams was was top notch. There were some understated elements. Um, Casey Affleck was uh, one of the buddies in the movie, and his character, as we see it in the movie, was not written in any of the scripts. The character existed, but none of the dialogue, none of the relationship. He was supposed to be a very minor character. He just improved this character the whole movie and was just kind of having a good time with it. The director let him do it. And most of it stayed in the yeah. film. Even little silly things, like, and I think we put this in our write-up, at the very end of the movie they go and, and, and Will's character is gone and uh, uh, Ben Affleck goes back, yeah, like, goes like, back like, in the car. Affleck's coming back to the car. This is after da- Matt Damon had left at the very end. And he realizes Damon's gone. He's like, oh, cool. Yeah. He left. And Casey Affleck jumps out of the backseat, his spot, relegated to the backseat, runs around the car, wordlessly calls shotgun, jumps in the front, and sits there with this smug, like a puppy, in the front seat, like, <laughs> Yeah. And he's not aware of, like, the whole, like, meta level, no. anything of Matt Damon's life or anything. No. He's like, I get shotgun. I get shotgun. <laughs> I think that kind of stuff is great. I think that Skarsgård was fantastic. There were some little hidden gems of tiny characters that had like 60 seconds of screen time. Yeah, you were mentioning the therapist. One of the therapists. Yeah. uh, Damon ripped him a new one, basically, and the therapist starts screaming something like, uh, All right, I'm all done. No more, no more, uh, what was it? George Plimpton as the psychologist. That's it. Where he was saying, no more shenanigans, no more tomfoolery, no more ballyhoo. Well, uh, uh, by the way, uh, uh, Matt Damon's character had outed him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, uh, you're gay. Yeah, you're basically like, uh, it's not my fault you're gay. I'm cool with it, but you know, you should accept it effectively. And the guy oh. the guy wigged out. That, that kind of stuff was fantastic. I think the casting was right on. I think Affleck and Damon were right that they should be in those roles. Yeah. And uh, I think that the other cast members were done well. Let's talk about directing. Well, let, oh, let's go sorry. back to the uh, so Mini Driver. Oh my gosh, I forgot about Mini Driver. Yeah, she was just she was just perfect. You know, I told my wife we were watching this movie, and I said to her, "Here's the thing about Mini Driver. If I just saw a picture of her, or if I just saw her in a film, and she wasn't a main character, or I didn't like see like a, a, a some kind of character actor going on there, and someone said, "Is she attractive? Do you think that she's a beautiful woman?" You'd be like, she's, 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 she's classically great. attractive. She's classically attractive. She, and she's not like, it's not like, oh no, she has a nice personality. No, she's attractive, but she's not like va 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 like yeah, crazy, yeah, right? Yeah. But that character that she portrayed filled her out more. Yeah. She became more attractive as the movie went on to me. By the end of the movie, I'm like, yeah, chase that down. That's the one. You want her. She was amazing. And... Uh, I think she did such a fantastic job. Uh, I really, really, really liked her in that role too. So yeah, not not just the guys, obviously. All right, uh, directing, editing choices, the cuts that they made. Yep. The and what do you think? I think directing and cinematography. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say the director and cinematographer worked hand in hand through the whole. 
process. Yep. Um, but I think that they did a great job of, and I mentioned earlier, choosing things like colors. When Will was comfortable, the colors were soft and ambers and warm. Now and this is Gus Finzant, yeah. who then had uh, who had done a lot of more indie films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like you could feel some of the indie film touch sure. that was in the film. Yep. Like you were saying, like the choices of colors or um, the the juxtaposition of shots that they used, uh, that they, they flipped back and forth between Harvard and Southie. Right. There was even a, a, an element where uh, Will uh, Will's character and Sean's character, Damon and, and, and uh, Robin Williams, were telling the same or almost the same story simultaneously in two different areas and they cut back and forth so the story was told almost seamlessly yep. I've not seen that before I'm sure it's been used before I just don't remember it but that was great that was really good um, when Will felt comfortable the colors were warm and comfortable yeah, as it, soon as he it, felt like yeah. out of like either uncomfortable or like he was maybe revealing too much of himself there was a scene with Minnie Driver where they were together and I think it was in her dorm room it wasn't when they broke up it was earlier when uh, everything was all warm and comfortable and then she either asked him a question or they got the top the conversation went to a place where he was like oh shoot I'm like revealing myself the colors shifted to blues and whites yeah. immediately I thought maybe they'd open a curtain and I rewound it and watched it again. No, they literally just shifted the colors over. And you could see his emotions almost yeah. just flip. And that goes into the cine- cinematography It as does. Well. It goes into cinematography. So the... Uh, so, but that also uh, includes locations. Yeah, it does. Uh, as far as locations, that the um, that it, it had some excellent locations. It had uh, shots that they used that were on Harvard. Which, I, I from what I understand, is that Harvard doesn't always like... Films being shot there, but John Lithgow argue, argued for them to be able to use. I didn't know that. Who, who's That's an alumnus? Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that he well, argued. So is Matt Damon. Um, the bar, the L Tavern, was uh, yeah. was a bar that Robin Williams chose, even though what Robin Williams wasn't in that. But he was like, right. "Nope, this is the place. This is the place." Uh, and the the locals were like way in on it. That's that cool. They loved to be in on it. Uh, you know, it, it took me until I think probably the third time I saw this movie that I realized that he was at MIT, she was at Harvard, yeah, and he lived in Southie. Go Google those areas sometime. There's a there are several scenes, and um, I think there was some one of the critic one of the critical reviews I read said that it seemed like they spent so much time showing him on public transportation it was ridiculous, and I'm like. Yeah, look at a map. Figure out where they are. He was, he was, how he got from where he yeah. lived to where he worked to where he met her over the Harvard bars and over by Harvard. That's not like, you know, it's not like just across the river. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a haul. The, uh, so, uh, tell me about the score here. So, uh, uh, the score for this movie was done by, uh, so where'd it go? We had a combination, Danny Elfman. Yeah, Danny Elfman. But also, there was music that was done by uh, Elliot... Uh, Hall? Yeah, no. No? Hold on. We got it right here. Anyway... The, uh, so like, Smith, Elliot Smith. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, Elliot Smith. So Elliot Smith thing. was a songwriter. Songwriter. And then, uh, Danny Elfman wrote like the musical the in- instrumental score. score. Instrumental score. So here's the thing. Danny Elfman, I think, summed it up very well. He said, if you get the soundtrack to this movie, you're going to get all the songs, the full-length songs that were used in the movie, but it's but it doesn't give you the feel of the movie. 
because the the feel of the movie came from the way that he took the the bass musical score and blended it from one song to the next to to develop emotions and so on and that they slightly tweaked the song to fit and then and then, yeah. and then the musical sort of fit i think that danny Hoffman did a, a great job with this uh and and it, it really helped with the emotion and, and and communicating what's going on in the movie. well and there was a couple of songs elliot smith wrote like between bars mm-hmm. and like they were like these songs that just kind of like and you listen to them they really enca- <laughs> encapsulate like you're like well those are really that late 90s sound yeah that's true uh, but that yeah. So uh, screenplay. Uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote this script. But then uh, an interesting thing about this film in the screenplay is mm-hmm. that their original screenplay was Matt Damon had. Uh, well, he he was doing. He was like a fifth year. Uh, fifth year senior at Harvard. Yeah, and he had written this he had was like for two a, classes left, and it was like for a film project that he wrote a playwriting class. Yeah. And, and he was told as a last project to write a play. He had to write a play. Yeah. And instead of writing a play, he wrote the first act of a, of a movie. And he hands it in to his professor and he says to the professor, Look, I might have failed your class, but this is the first act of something larger. Yeah, and it would it was his and career. It in. <laughs> as it yeah. turns out. Uh, so that, that script had um, two things where the original script was this combo of two this guy looking for a lines. girl, yeah. but then also and dealing with the psych stuff, and then also a guy who was going to take one over on the CIA. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. and like undermine the CIA, and then Rob Reiner at Castle Rock mm. had said, "Pick a path. Pick one. Pick one path." And they went with this. They no, went with them a psychological drama. And in fact, the whole CIA line, the government work line, he said, "Yeah, no." And they, they wrote a little bit, which he then improved a chunk. And it's the long script where he's like, yeah, if I go to work for you, I'm going to be working decoding and, and cryptography, and I'm going to decode yeah. or, or, or some some message, which is then going to tell you where the bad guys are, and you're going to go blow them up, and blah, 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 message, the, the, the script goes on and on. But eventually, basically, he's like, my neighbor's going to be out of a job and missing a leg because I decrypted a script that yeah. you gave, or decrypted a ma- message that you gave me. It was this big, long, convoluted way to get there. But it all makes sense when he said it. Yeah. But yeah, he basically wrote out the CIA part of the story by telling him to go, 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 go take a pisser. And then also in that, uh, that I think it was Merrimack or Mermack or I can't remember the guy's name, but he he was another. He helped with the script, and mm-hmm. then he helped with the ending of saying like, uh, "Let's just ride off into the sunset." Like off an Italian film, like we're not gonna we're not gonna tell you what happens. We're just gonna ride off into the sunset. Uh, new adventure, a, a new adventure. Um, yeah. But the collab, like I don't take this away from the. It doesn't take away from the film. No, of course not. Like all films are a collaborative process. Yes, they are. Uh, and I and they won best. They won uh, an Academy Award. They did. For they the, did for the screenplay. Uh, you know, very, very, uh, very. There's one other piece of this. It's actually pretty rare. Uh, when when uh, when a group of actors. I guess the the joke in Hollywood is that every actor has a screenplay they wrote that they want produced, and by the way, they're supposed to star in it. And so when they went around, these two guys, you know, Damon and Affleck, they yeah. didn't know that that was already kind of an inside joke that was a yeah. thing. So they're shopping their script around, their agents shopping script around, and um, they finished it together, sleeping on each other's couches in 1994, shopped it around Hollywood for a bit with the requirement that they star in it. And after it got picked up, and then eventually ends over at Miramax, and it got filmed, it was in the theaters by 97. Number one, 
an actor who gets a script that gets picked up, written, and they they star in it, and it does well, has only really happened a few times. Sylvester Stallone and Rocky, yeah, i.e. Uh, that one. But um, it, it it just it just kind of shows that you know if you really have a good product, it's not just yeah. because some actor who wants to do a thing. Now the fun fact about this is that they also because they wanted to see if studios were actually reading their their script that they put in a scene in the middle of the play or in the middle of the screenplay that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck their their characters uh, had a sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> where just the, randomly like they randomly had a sex scene where one went to town on the other and uh yeah and, and uh like and this was uh this was this was their little like uh thing to see whether or not anybody's reading, reading it. it and uh this was uh like i know that the the popular opinion is rightfully turned on harvey weinstein but the only one who had who had asked them a question was like yeah, no, I love this screenplay, but uh, I have one question. What's with the scene? What's with the sex scene? <laughs> and they explained it, and they went with that. Um, and we, we'd we already talked about a little bit about the special effects of the film, of using kaleidoscope yep. to like kind of show the mental process yep. uh, of things. Yep. Um, let's... You know what? Uh, normally yeah. we do this before we get to this point, okay. but we forgot. Wait. To uh, look that there is a bag on the table. Oh, wait. Hold on. Right there. There it is. I found it. Yeah. Tell me. Well, well okay. Hold on just a second. Normally, these bri- uh, g- uh, gifts... Uh, yeah, bribes. Uh, bribes. The bribes come from the nomin- the person who nominates the movie. And I think we, we nominated the movie. We really did. So, I didn't bring any gifts for you... Other than me being here and the fact that I'm not wearing my shirt yeah. or underwear, right and it's now. and it's beautiful. Thank you, thank yeah. you. I've been working on it. I am. I, I have been tweaking these little bad boys yeah. to point at you. No, and I appreciate it. But uh, but these gifts I understand came from uh, the Adventures in Video Land Council. Maybe Brad? let's let's see what's in the what's bag. In well, first I have. Uh, well, here, let me give you this. There is a white uh, shipping, flexible shipping envelope. Oh, here. that's nice. And then there's another one, a second one here, that came in the bag. There, there. Before I open it, it is a uh, soft inside the bag. I can squish it. Hopefully, it's not breakable. Yeah. Ooh, I don't like these. These are the ones where like. No, I just rip them right they, open. They don't, they don't open as designed. All right, hold on. It's soft, listeners. Here we go. Okay, hold on. Oh, would you look <gasps> at that? Would you look oh. at this? This is a thank you then we get from the Adventures in Video Land. Oh my goodness. Is it in my size too? It like is. Quintuple X? It is. Oh, this, the sexiest of extra larges. The mm. triple this, extra large. These are Adventures in Video Land t shirts with the Adventures in Video Land logo. You'll see it on the Facebook page. One for myself, one for Dr. Diamond. Oh, Doug, it's and so very nice. It has the hands and the microphone. These are, I will wear this to work next week. I will as uh, well. I'm one of those guys that wears a t shirt and then like an unbuttoned overshirt. Yeah, an overshirt. Every day. Yeah. And now I have another t shirt to mix in. It's nice. An AV t shirt. Uh, I will, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to commit to this. When I'm in class next week, I'll ask one of my students to take a picture of me. Teaching class wearing this T-shirt, and I'll post it on the Facebook page uh, for everybody to see. This is super cool. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. 
AV yeah. Council. All right. Thank awesome. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Uh, oh, wait. Did uh, you notice this? Oh, I did not see that. There's a little Peely sticker. Uh, it's a kitty cat, and it says RB. That's from uh, the, the manufacturer of the shirt. Oh, right well, there. this one I peel and stick. I'm going to stick this on my car. That's nice. Yeah, That's right. nice. Because I don't mind destroying the value of my vehicle. Uh, All right. A couple of things on uh, on this movie that uh, that uh, that it won Academy Awards for Robin Williams for Best, Best Supporting, Supporting Actor, Actor and for the screenplay. It won a Golden Globe again for the screenplay and then a Screen Actors Guild Award for an outstanding performance by a male actor in a supporting role, Robin, Robin Williams, Williams. Which, uh, to highlight once again... One of the biggest reasons that we wanted to choose this movie yeah. is because we wanted to see if we could get Robin Williams into Pantheon. Into Pantheon. The halls. The hallowed halls. Because Brad, Brad had said to us, like, do you want to do you want the council to watch a movie you like or right. do you want to make a mark? And we said Both. Both. Bam. Yeah. If possible. If possible. So, so a little little known fact, by the way, Ben Affleck and uh, Bat- Matt Damon took a slightly a uh, skewed approach to their Oscar nomination. Uh, apparently, people didn't do this before, but now I, it's it's more it's a more common practice. Yeah. When they were nominated for best screenplay, they sent the original screenplay, the script, to the judges, uh, uh, the Oscar judges, so they could see the difference between the way the screenplay was written and the way it appeared in the film, because they felt like. As you said, it's a collaborative process. They wanted to see almost like how the how the how the sausage was made, you know. Yeah. And I think that really played well. A second thing they did was Matt and Ben took their moms as dates to the Oscars. So excellent. So excellent. And in doing so, that people were able to see the contribution that Robin Williams made to the film, Correct. not only in the very fun scene, heartfelt and fun scene where he's talking about his wife. And like they're, they're like in farting in bed, where he was <laughs> just saying like the it's not the big things, it's the little things that you remember and miss. Yes, like uh, your wife, uh, like uh, like I remember like Robin Williams is saying like I remember my wife uh, passing gas, passing and I gas. miss that. Or uh, he was explaining to Matt Damon saying, "Listen, you're smart, but you're dumb, right?" Because you might know the intricacies of Michelangelo, or you might you might know the the Sistine Chapel and know the history of it, but you don't know what it smells like in there, right? Because you you've never either. left Southie. You've never touched the paint on the like, ceiling. You know, yeah. you, don't, you don't know. Like you, like if I asked you about love, you might be able to quote me a sonnet. Yep. But you don't know what it's like to. Hold the hand of your loved one as she's going through the as, roughest moment of her life, yeah, or as she passes, exactly. or as she passes, uh, it, like, um, and I don't know, like, I know that the the fart scene was was improvised, and I don't know yeah. about the other ones. I do know that the final line of the the the, the whole film is uh, "Son of a bitch, he stole, stole my, my line." line. About, I'm note. going, I'm going to see a, I'm going to go and see about, about a, girl. a girl. Yeah, he, uh, uh, Rob Williams had uh, made. Uh, had told a story about how he met his wife, saw his wife in a bar right before all of he and all of his buddies were going to go to this so famous major big time ball game. And Matt Damon was like, "Wow, you were there." He goes, "No, I was in the bar meeting meeting my the love of my life." 
And in fact, uh, my my he, he, Matt Damon said, "Wait, and all your buddies were cool with that?" He goes, "Yeah, I told them I had to see about a girl, yeah. and they were all cool with it. They went to the game. I sat in the bar, and I met her, and yeah. I and I got to know her." So let's chat about how we think that this movie's going to go about with voting. Okay. Um, obviously, you and me, we nominated the film. We're a yes. I'm on the fence. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, no, no. We're a yes. We are an absolute yes. Um, as far as the as far as far the poll goes, the poll Facebook poll typically goes yes. And currently, I think it's at 33. Yeah, you know 33 what? 33 yeses. I have that right here somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so it's 33 yes yeah. and five no. It's, yeah, 33 yeses, five no's, five haven't seen... There's six haven't seen it, but one of those is mine, which I'm going to change. Yeah. Five haven't seen it, four need to rewatches. I assume by the end of this poll, all the rewatches and haven't seen it will be zero, and all and they'll, those will probably move to, uh, you know, proportionally I hope yes. yeses, but maybe, you know. Facebook poll, however, typically goes yes. It does, but when it goes no, whoo, does it go no. Yeah. So right. that's 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 the Facebook. That's that's me. That's me and you. And the Facebook poll is two votes. Two votes. So, so talk about Marshall Wade. So as we go down the list, uh, this is my assessment. Doug's, and it, Doug's assessment. And you can see whether or not uh, that you agree with it. That I think that uh, both for uh, Marshall and Matt, mm-hmm. Matthew Wade. Is that that I think that both of them will be yeses, okay? Uh, because they seem like reasonable individuals, very smart, healthy, attractive, sexually uh, active, active, and, and and comfortable with themselves, intelligent, right? Super cool individuals, very cool. Rachel, yeah. she's gonna be a yes. I I'm, think you yeah. think because I think so because I I, I think that she she'll be able to appreciate the depth of sentimentality and the psychological drama in this. Do you think this is just me asking? I I don't know her well enough to know this for a fact, Rachel. If you're listening, you, you know my my apologies if I step over the line here. Do you think that Rachel might be torn a little bit, maybe pulled away because of some of the masculine kind of hoo-ha going on in there? A little bit less for the female. I don't roles, know because Minnie, the Minnie Driver's character was so, so well written, strong, yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that like I think that Nathan will like the message mm-hmm. of the film mm-hmm. as well. So, so I think you think Brad and cousin Wayne are no's. Why so, do you think that? So I think that uh, like I I don't know. This is just guessing from the things that we've seen so far and things that we've heard from others is that it might be not quite exciting enough. It might not, like, it might not kind of resonate so fully and deeply Mm -hmm. uh, because it just, you know, it's just a normal movie rather than a Pantheon movie. Okay, fair enough. Uh, And I think that 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 is the case, uh, that might be the case for, 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 Cousin Wayne for Ryan for Brad potentially, I don't know. Uh, I hope not. Um, like when I'm thinking about this film and reasons that people might say no, is, Kyle. Uh, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> like the reasons that I think that some people might say no is because that is not because they hated the film, but mm-hmm. because they're like, I think this is a four out of five rather four. than a four and a half out of five. Right, right. Four and a half out of five might get it up to Pantheon, uh, yeah. but four out of five wouldn't do it. Like, good movie. You should probably watch it, but it's not essential viewing. Yeah, yeah. Some people might be there. Um, so, and like, um, 
the as far as Kyle, Kyle, uh, uh, you and Kyle have a history almost nine for nine. Yeah, is the when I say yes, he says no. When he says no, yes, I say no. Yeah. Uh, uh, this, you know what? I'm going to predict this may be this may be the movie that breaks you and Kyle's split history of going opposite directions. Yeah. This might be the now. One. We did agree on Young Frankenstein. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. But almost who didn't, right? Uh, but like, but down the list, like Dear Zachary, like uh, I said no, and he said yes on that one. Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu, he loved that film, and, right. and and I wasn't as sure about it. But you know, that's a quirky film, and it's gonna hit on the cylinders for some and not for others. So to be fair, but he might like it because again, Kyle is a very smart, very. Uh, insightful individual. He's, he's very, very sexually attractive. He is so hot. And so comfortable in his skin. He really is. That he might feel okay with saying yes and not feel like he's, people were judging him for it. Uh, and uh, and then uh, uh, as far as like Jeremy Clifford, yeah, they, I didn't know kind of where, to, like he had nominated Dear Zachary, which sure. was kind of like uh, the psychological thing. And by the way, I appreciated that nomination. Yeah, I, thought I really it was did. A, I thought it was great. Yeah, great nomination. The, uh, but uh, I just kind of didn't know where, uh, where it might stand. But I, I was thinking like, if this movie gets in, that it's going to be a middle of the road mm. film. Like mm-hmm. it, it might be, it might get in on seven out of seven. eleven. Yeah. Uh, like I don't think it, I don't think it's going to be a, a Saving Private Ryan ten out of eleven or eleven la- of eleven or last year's uh, what was the. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, which was eleven out of eleven. Like I don't think that it will get all the way up to that. Sure. Um, your assessment, like I'm, I'm in the same place. I don't know about individually. Some of these, some of these individual, uh, we'll call them guesses that you made. I, I'm right in line with. I, I, I'm not for sure about Brad uh, and Ryan Smith. I, I think they might be yeses, uh, but maybe. But I, but I think that we're probably looking at a, a eight, seven, okay. eight. I, I think it'll get in, uh, but you know I'm biased. Yeah. I'll admit that. But I, but I do think you know looking through these, you know that, that it's going to get in. So we'll see. But we'll like, see. I definitely personally think that like this is a great movie. And right. If it doesn't get in, why would we nominate it if it otherwise? Right. right. Well, if it doesn't get in, you know I'm sure the council will write a letter to Robin Williams' uh, family apologizing. You know, I'm sure that'll happen. You know, but anyway. Um, all right. Uh, some let's let's kind of pull this all together uh, with any closing thoughts here. Okay. That, uh, any final comments or trivia that we want to get to uh, uh, that 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 struck your fancy in here? Uh, like for example, like we had talked about a bunch of uh, uh, like Casey Affleck's lines, and we talked about. Um, oh, here's one, Stellan Skarsgård, uh, that with his character, he did not want to wear tweed, but uh, he, like, he wore, uh, as a professor, he wanted to be kind of, like, stuffy, stuffy, but iconic, he so he had this scarf. stupid scarf around the his whole neck. Time. And he stands by the scarf, because he said, I want to be a, prof- a professor that gets effed by his students, and <laughs> I got it! <laughs> <laughs> well, his character was constantly macking on the girls, let's put it yeah. that way. Uh, here's one that I like, Mel Gibson came close, almost directed this movie, he had just come off of doing Braveheart, it was a little wishy-washy on it, 
Might have been a different movie if Mel Gibson directed it. Well, I mean, obviously it would have yeah. been different. But might it have not been Pantheon-worthy? Maybe might it have not earned an Oscar? Or maybe even more so? Yeah. In in the writing of... In the kind of, like, script... Like, uh, massaging that they were doing at one mm-hmm. point. Uh, Vincent wanted Affleck's character to die. Uh, after the second act and they're like "Ah, no that would get too convoluted that's a lot and then also that like they had floated whether or not Will Hunting's character was going to die at the end wow Uh, but they decided not to do that as well oh Vince uh, not Van Zandt uh, uh, Skarsgård's character he he actually went and was sort of tutored by like a math expert on like to understand a bit of what his character did and he said that uh uh, I, I'm paraphrasing. He said that he he couldn't grasp any of it. He couldn't grasp any of it. So he said, "I did the only thing I could do. I acted. I acted. <laughs> I acted. I love that." Uh, the last little thing here is the uh, that Kevin Smith, yeah, uh, had a connection to this movie. Uh, That's that, not surprising. That um, that he uh, after Castle Rock, that that they were dealing with Castle Rock, that they had floated it to Kevin Smith to direct it mm. but he said this movie is so great it needs somebody who's good so Kevin Smith thought like it needs somebody better, better than, than me. me because they had worked on Chasing Amy right uh, so they knew him Which, and he way, was the one who had connected it with yeah that's yeah, a place in my heart that movie that he had connected it with Mary Max and Harvey Weinstein to get it to, right. to get filmed through cool. there um, and then we had chatted last time that uh Matt Damon's character in Saving Private Ryan was because of a connection that Robin Williams had made with Steven Spielberg right. to say, hey, I'd worked with this guy, and I think that he would be great in that role. So for the last movie, that, that there was a connection between Robin Williams right. uh, and, Matt Damon. and Matt Damon of getting Matt Damon into Saving Private Ryan. Got it. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, what, I just saw this uh, this little piece. Oh, the park bench. There's this park bench scene. Yeah. It's still one of the therapy sessions, but it was a little less in the office, a little less formal. Uh, and Ron Williams' character and, and, and Damon's character are sitting on this bench. It's shot from behind. So you see the back of them, mostly. As they look out over this uh, lake, this public lake, uh, the bench they were sitting on was still there when Ron Williams passed. And the bench itself has become a memorial to Ron yeah. Williams. Yeah. The uh, so this film is very quotable. Uh, that, that there's a lot that uh, so especially uh, we had mentioned one before of like a line that had, was didn't originate with the movie, but it came very popular mm. of how you like them apples. How you like them apples. And by the way, that was great. That was uh, Matt Damon uh, putting it in the face of Ponytail Boy. Yeah. That uh, he got the number, uh, yeah. Mini Driver's number, uh, and the and Ponytail Boy pretty much got dissed. Had to go to a different bar. Uh, any last big thoughts that you have about the movie? So I, I really, you know, I do. I really want this movie to make it into Pantheon. I, I wouldn't have nominated it. I wouldn't have, have uh, encouraged the two of us to nominate it if uh, if I didn't really want it in Pantheon. Uh, I will understand if council members collectively decide no, uh, but I would really like it to be there. We didn't pick this movie to, like, make people watch something that they haven't seen nor do we pick it because we're like this is a guaranteed lock yeah we said we want robin williams in 
we would really like to see Robin Williams in. I'm aware that Matt Damon was just in, was in Saving Private Ryan and we got yeah. another Matt Damon movie, but he wasn't necessarily the big star in that movie. He was only in the last, what, 20% if. And um, uh, in this case, he's front and center, as is Robin Williams' character. Uh, I really think that uh, this movie hits on all the cylinders, including special effects. You can look at our write-up, uh, our, our letter. You can see what we're talking about there for special effects. Um, and I'd I like to see it happen. So I hope it does. I do too. I do too. All right. So with all that said, as always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation. I did. And uh, as a note, a personal note, I very much enjoyed being part of this Pantheon process as a Pantheon companion reviewer. Me too. I hope that our listeners have enjoyed listening to Pantheon Companion yeah, with us. I, I really do. So, like, uh, thank you to the council for and to Brad to uh, for inviting us into this experience. Very much. So. Uh, I've got to watch a bunch of movies that I wouldn't have necessarily watched again right or for the first time uh, and and research movies and look into movies that's been even more fun than watching them sometimes and uh, as well uh to mr miggity miggity mac mr gary it's been fun very much to have this conversation with you repeatedly uh at this table about these movies i've enjoyed everyone yeah like we'd be chatting about things otherwise but we get to do it uh, on tape, as it were. Yeah. Well, uh, the big real tape is going to run out here, so we probably should. Yeah. Yeah. Get to the. But no, I've enjoyed this whole thing, and and you know what? I hope someone suggested this on Facebook. Uh, I believe. I hope we get a chance in the quote off season, right? Between now and the end of the year, to maybe do some companion uh, episodes talking about movies that didn't. I've already been nominated yeah. and didn't make it. To do a deep dive on sure, some of those. Sure, why not? Yeah. We could do yeah. a few of those. I'm down with that. All right. So, again, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Where can Videoland find you, Mr. Miggity Miggity Mac? On Facebook. You'll find me there. Or if you're a student at Purdue, take a CS course. You'll probably find me there. And you can find me on Facebook page as well. Uh, and uh, you can take a class an undergrad class on strategic thinking and decision-making through the Krannert School of Management if you really, really want to sit under my tutelage. And you'll probably find (laughs) Dr. Diamond Doug right there. Uh, You can also find us on Instagram, uh, Adventures in Videoland website. Um, But the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. You've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Videolanders, son of a bitch, he stole my line. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or uh, 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 how do you like them apple yeah. uh, you know what I, I think that we should end with the thing that we've been uh, saying each time oh, we, we love, love you, you.